Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast, where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam, what a day. Oh, what a day. What a, what, a, what a lifetime, what an experience, what a, what a time to be alive. <laughs> what, a, what a chilly time of year. Uh, filled with uh, ice and snow. Uh, it's actually 62 degrees in uh, Jersey today, so I <laughs> I don't know what's going on with yeah. global warming. But yeah, the planet's on fire. This is terrible, <laughs> um, guys. Guys, we this is this is legit. Zach, uh, real human being whose children will have to inherit this earth after me. We we broke this one. We screwed it up, and I mean we as the human race. I think, you know, probably all of us could do a little bit better at reducing our, uh, you know, our carbon footprint. I think that's a fair statement. I would also say that we, as anyone who's listening to this podcast, probably isn't the driving factor (laughs) in this. Uh, Considering all businesses are bad and do bad things about this. uh, What I'm saying is that... That we're talking about Iceman today, and I didn't know where I was going, and I'm trying to say get into something, and then we got depressing. <laughs> Sorry, we're doing Iceman this one. This one's Iceman. Yes, this this is actually a uh, a kind of a fun, jokey episode as opposed to um, you know a dark uh, environmental disaster episode. So um, maybe we shouldn't have started that way. Everybody just turned it no. off. They were like, I don't want to listen to this garbage. <laughs> it's fine, guys. Guys. Mother Mother Earth is dying, uh, and it's really bad. But to save you from that existential dread, away from the fiery hell that is our uh, our global warming, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some comics. Some of which are silly. Some of which are very uh, very important and poignant to a lot of people. Uh, and we're just gonna we're just gonna do that. One of those people that I don't know how important this comic was uh, to him, whether he just liked it or he wanted to talk about it, because whatever, uh, is from Patreon supporter Tyler James. Now, Tyler went on over to Patreon.com, and he was like, hey, let's let's go to the Battle of the Atom site, and let, let's give them some money, and then they can they can, uh, they can can do a whole podcast about Iceman, and <laughs> Scenic Grace's Iceman specifically, and that's what we're going to do right now, so thank you, Tyler, so much. If you want to be like Tyler, we'll tell you at the end of the episode how you can uh, give us all of your cash. So that we can transfer that into funds that will stop our inevitable heat death. Right, don't forget to breathe, Zach. There's there's breathing that needs to be done to actually do this podcast. <laughs> no, we have a limited amount of oxygen on this planet. And I'm going to talk as fast as I can and breathe as few as I can to save this ding dang that earth. That is not how it works. You're supposed to slow your breathing down when you're losing oxygen. Didn't you learn anything from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when they get trapped in space? Anyway, uh... This is Cena Gray's Volume One, not Volume Two, correct? Right. This is his first uh, arc. It's kind of a loose arc, but it has a thematic through line. Uh, it's called Thawing Out. It's the first five issues uh, with art uh, by Alessandro Viti, 
with uh, some fill-ins by Edgar Salazar and Ibrahim Robertson. Now, this is not, though, however, Iceman's first volume. This is Iceman Volume 3. Yeah, this is the third one. This is the third time they tried to do Iceman. <laughs> this is part of Resurrection. Mm, yeah. Y'all remember Resurrection. Yeah, I think we're still using that X logo in our uh, our podcast art, like on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, the background art is a reference to the Resurrection <laughs> art. I thought you were talking about the actual logo, which we had redesigned like... A year and a half ago, I know. maybe I know. more. It looks great, but but that's how yeah, that's how long great. ago Resurrection Mikey v. did a great job. Resurrection was so yeah, long Resur- ago. It, it's from when we started our show. No, it's from. It's got to be from. Oh, it is. It? Yeah, I mean. Anyway, so this is uh, post Bendis Iceman. Uh, Iceman, young Iceman, has been outed by Gene, and uh, adult Iceman is dealing with the repercussions. Yeah, so this is this is interesting because while we had a little bit of that with like extraordinary X Men, where Bobby was a main character, mm-hmm. uh, his his sexuality wasn't dealt with well, or well's the wrong word. It just wasn't a focus. I think is the better way to put yeah, it. I don't remember really that uh, being much of anything in extraordinary. You know, there was there was a scene or two with Iceman and Anna Lay, but that was about it. Like it just yeah, a little bit of he mentoring, was there. I guess. No, like more like, hey, Annalee, how does this work? <laughs> I look, bud, bud. If you want me to remember everything about uh, extraordinary X Men, you're gonna have to send at least two dollars into Patreon. <laughs> well, here we get uh, Iceman really kind of wrestling with uh, his new status quo, and uh, this this series is kind of a big deal. You know, we have uh, an openly gay writer coming on and writing an openly gay character and it's in his own solo title. Mhm. And it's interesting. I'm going I'm going to start all of this with a big asterisk here. Okay. Which is y'all I I legitimately and truly understand that this is a book that a lot of people have a lot of connection to. And I think it's very important that a book like this exists and is out there. Any amount of it that may not resonate with me is very likely to come from the fact that I'm a straight dude who has not had to come out to my parents. Uh, So I've not had those experiences. I can tell when there's good writing here. I can tell when some of the stuff is not so strong on the writing front. And we'll talk about those issues and the strengths as we go on. Uh, I've seen this been on the show. I think he's a great dude. Uh, I have some pluses and minuses about this series, and I want to put, throw that right <laughs> up front. If I don't get everything, it's because of what I, and I'm going to speak for Adam here, what Adam is bringing to the table as straight dudes. Yeah, I, I will say that um, I don't feel as disconnected to this material as you might be describing i think that um there are some definite strengths and weaknesses here that are going to make it sing in places and really make it a a bit of a a, i don't want to use the word a drag but but not as uh as good as it could be in other places so the a, a quick synopsis of the first five issues really could be iceman is trying desperately to come out to his parents and interacts with a variety of different people, Purifiers, Dakin, Juggernaut, uh, ex-girlfriend Kitty Pride, and uh, 
a tricky thing for him to navigate. Um, and that part of it, the, the conversations with the parents, the interactions there, I think that part's done pretty well. Um, absolutely. I think, I, I think that's the highlight of this is the interactions that Bobby has with his parents yeah. are so good. They, they pull from long threads of this is who Bobby is as a character. This is his fraught relationship with his parents. Mm-hmm. And, I think regardless of your sexuality, uh, you're you're going to be able to relate to. Hey, parents just don't understand sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah. And I like you're gonna you're gonna be able to pull something. That's from that. the part where I I really you know can understand. You know, like the, these these awkward conversations where he is desperately trying to relate to his dad. Um, now I think we've talked about in another episode that the basis of this relationship and it's where it's at at the beginning of this series is kind of ignoring some past continuity um that probably happened in the 90s but it still makes for a uh, a pretty compelling version of their familial relationship here and i can i can accept that just for the sheer fact of sometimes relationships with people go through some weird cyclical things oh, yeah. And just because you have one good interaction doesn't mean that that fixes all the old wounds forever. I, I feel that I get that, uh, and I think I think that works in uh, Grace's favor here. I think his parents feel like three dimensional characters. Mm-hmm. They don't feel like they are just bigots. Right. It 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 feels like they are all bringing something else to this, where they've got so many layers. And in fact, by the end of the story. It's Bobby's dad who reaches out to him and tries to understand even more instead of his mom who has been, you know, presented as the more uh, accepting one and just trying to, you know, I really care about your father's health here. Like, she's the one that kind of walks away while his dad's the one that sits down and just is at least trying even if he's doing a bad job about it. (laughs) Yeah. Um so all of that, I think you and I would agree, is working really, really well. Um, where this book falters is right off the bat in even just the first issue when it starts to give voice to these action scenes. Um, you know. Oh, yeah. Cena uh, is very good at slice of life stuff. Cena, especially in these first five, uh, just just does not have a handle for superhero action. And how to how to pace that? How to make it important to the other plot? We've we've talked a lot about uh, you know how sometimes stories have to get in there like six pages of punching mm-hmm. or whatever. I think this series is the most I've seen like six pages of punching forced into a book, where sometimes it feels like y'all can could we just like not on this one? <laughs> well, um... could could this just? Could this just be a slice of life? Book? Yeah, I, I think it would have been uh, a, a more successful story if it could have taken. I almost want to use the Vision miniseries as sort of like a cue because it, it. I feel like it could have been a little bit more novel and different if it didn't have to have him interacting with especially this purifier line. Like we're going to talk a little bit more. The purifier stuff yeah, sucks. We're gonna... And it sucks. It sucks that in another series that came out the same month, Generation X, they pulled the exact same lazy start of I guess the purifiers show up and then we fight them for a minute. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and we're love Generation X. By the way, y'all know that, uh, but it has it has again a rough couple first issues. Oh, I love Gen X, um, but we're going to talk a little bit more in this episode about this trope of what happens when Bobby goes home, because what happens when Bobby goes home is houses blow up and bad guys inevitably attack and their parents are just upset because their mutant child is just always bringing this, this battle to their house and they don't want it. Um, and, and we're here again. So ugh. to be fair to his parents, his parents aren't great people. <laughs> no, but I would also get... Bobby does constantly break their house say, with his mutant fights. I was going to say, and I really do... The one scene I really appreciate here is uh, after, you know, after... I think it's the end of issue three where the purifiers have legitimately just, like, blown up Bobby's uh, childhood home again. Or no, this is this is the new home that they moved into that they didn't tell Bobby about. Um the rest of the x-men show up to try and help put the house back together and they're just like just leave just leave right now i am we have insurance we will get a contractor we don't need you yeah take your colossus and go back to westchester um so anyway so i i'd say the other the other stuff that doesn't land as well for me there's two two other things that really stood out reading these three issues the first is the art uh I don't think Alessandro Viti was a good fit for this book. And then I don't think his fill-ins in Edgar Salazar, uh, especially, were a good fit for this book. So everything doesn't look good in some of the big emotional beats. Like, the beat where Bobby does come out to his parents Mm -hmm. has the weirdest facial expression. And I don't understand it. And it it robs the moment of a lot of the impact for me. Uh, I I don't know if I agree. I, I... I think we've been talking about the quality of the writing in those quieter scenes. And I I don't really have a huge problem with the way that VD is drawing them. Um, It's a much more sketchy style than I think we're used to for a polished Marvel book. Um, And especially when it gets into action, um, that sketchiness sort of like dials up a, a little bit, which I agree for what this book is trying to be in terms of something a little bit more higher profile and, and sort of a landmark title, it doesn't land the way I think it's supposed to. Um, yeah, that's, that's where I'd, I'd go. It doesn't, it doesn't fit what the book's trying to do. Yeah. And then even from issue one, I feel like there's other sort of technical things like lettering, um, that just feel a little less high quality than you might have gotten from even some of the other X-Men books at the time. Um, you mm-hmm. know, it, it just doesn't look as polished. Um, so I agree that it kind of takes away from, from the finished product. Right. I'd say the other thing, and this, this may just be a me thing. Mm-hmm. I don't love Cena's voice for Iceman in the less serious moments he's very pop culture reference heavy Mm -hmm. in a in a way it's not it's not that bobby hasn't always been a jokester and especially making bad jokes uh because that's what stan lee characters did (laughs) they made the the kid spider-man fit or the human torch iceman they made bad jokes that was that was their thing and i can i can accept that and i like that I don't think the voice specifically for this Bobby aligns 
with the voice that I'm used to hearing from the character, and that throws me off a bit. And I think even a few years removed from some of the very specific references, uh, it feels dated. Yeah, I, I don't have as much a problem with the the voice of Iceman. I think that, you know, Iceman's he's going through some stuff and he's trying to figure some stuff out. Sure. And Cena definitely has a take on this character that is, yes. is going to be his mark on this book. Um, there are other places in Cena's writing of Iceman, especially in volume two, when he does Bishop, uh, I feel like there are other characters where that would pull me out more. Um, his Iceman doesn't really bother me very much. So I, I don't have as much of an issue with that, but I, I can see what you mean. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's fair. It's kind of a, it, it's going to be a personal thing. Like it's just the voice that I have specifically in my head doesn't align with this voice. And that's, that can be tough for me to swallow. Mm-hmm. But again, that's part of what I'm bringing to this yeah. versus, you know, accepting the book where it's coming from. And I think, I think there is definitely a level to mm-hmm. that. Um, but we, I think we have had a similar conversation with the uh, the North Star wedding arc that uh, a book like this is just so important. And I, I really applaud Marvel for uh, letting this have a life as a trade. Um, I think it did very well that uh, in that regard so that even after they thought the book was over, they brought it back for a little bit. And even though it was, you know, not ultimately going to be this long-term successful solo title what is that's not wolverine um right you know i i think it's awesome that they took the chance and and put this out for a while i i do too and for the record i think iceman gets better especially the near the end of cena grace's run absolutely i was i was definitely i was definitely enjoying the end of his first volume a good Mm -hmm. amount i i think there the last issue he does uh Cena actually does, I think, a lot of the art, if not all of the art on it. He may just do some flashbacks. I'm trying. I think to he remember. does the I does some them. of the the '90s flashback he, stuff there. He does he does the flashback yeah. stuff. That's right. Uh, and I think that's a very poignant, very good issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's where the book really works. It it blends the slice of life and the superheroics, uh, the best that the book did. Uh, I think it took a little bit to get there. Yeah, and uh, um, I, if you're a fan of this book, I highly recommend you go back and listen to the, our episode with Cena, where I think we focus mm-hmm. a lot on the end of that initial run. Um, yeah, because it had, I think it ended the week we were recording it. Right. Uh, yeah, we because we recorded on like a Monday or Tuesday, and the last issue came out on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well. I think we've covered it pretty well. Where I think we've covered do it pretty well. We want to rank this. Well, we're talking about ranking things, and in fact, we do rank things. We rank a lot of things. Adam, do you know how many things we rank? Uh, I think we're up to three hundred and twenty-seven stories. Good lord, we are up to three hundred twenty-seven unique X-Men stories, starting with the Dark Phoenix Saga mm-hmm. at number one. At number, let's just. Jump down to 100 here. We got Generation X, 18 and 19, for the sake of the children. At number 200, we have uh, Marvel Comics Presents Colossus, God's Country. Ooh, I like that one. That one's, it's <laughs> neat. Uh, number 300 is Morlocks Take Manhattan from Uncanny X-Men. And the bottom story is the Draco, which is bad. <laughs> uh, this is definitely better than Morlocks Take Manhattan. I would agree. Um... 
how do you feel about it versus something like the Muir Island Saga 268? I like this better than the Muir Island Saga, I okay. think. What's two? Yeah, I like this better than that. Uh, I probably... Hmm. We have the first arc of is, Extraordinary at 256. How do you think it weighs against that? I think it's. I think we're getting close because right above that is the... Oh, yeah. Gene Nation story plus Rogue and Iceman's uh, road trip. Yeah. Uh, and I I think that is, that's my ceiling. Yeah. I think that, what I'd say is that book does not do the interpersonal relationship between Bobby and his parents as well as Cena does. It still does it very mm-hmm. well. And the action is tighter in that one. Uh, which I think gives it the slight edge, but I like this better than the first arc of Extraordinary. Well, let's put it at uh, 256. I think that's a good place for it. I think it is too. Uh, That would be our new number 256. Iceman Volume 3, uh, 1 through 5, Thawing Out. (laughs) All right. So I talked about the trope of Iceman kind of going back to his home and... (laughs) (laughs) And things blowing up. So we're going to go back in time to yet another time when that happened, which is Iceman Volume 1. Yes. Uh, This is Iceman's first limited series. Uh, While he was on the... He was on the New Defenders at the Mm -hmm. time. Uh, Which, y'all, I've not read a (laughs) single page of anything that happens to Iceman between leaving the X-Men... And joining the uh, X-Factor team, I've not read Champions of Los Angeles. I have not read The New Defenders. It seems like a big investment for three characters that I'm not as hot on as the rest of the It's pretty wild X-Men. that Iceman was on a team with Ghost Rider, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and Hercules was there in Black Widow. Yeah. Oh, dang. I got I got uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Oh, cool. Uh, which is not a technically great game it is a super fun game to play with my mm-hmm. kid like he loves it uh and it's fun uh, i've got technical issues with the game that we're not going to get into here but i'm about to unlock Iceman, and i kind of want to put him and ghost rider on a team <laughs> and see if they give me a bonus for being champions of los angeles <laughs> i'll put black widow there too i don't think i don't think i can put four people from the champions of los angeles that'd be really funny though if that was like a uh, a hidden bonus and you all got leveled up <laughs> There's there's a bunch of weird bonuses uh, for different team combinations that you like. The one that I'm mad about, though, is there's one that's called New X-Men. Or, or yeah, all new X-Men yeah. or whatever. So it's, you know, the giant-sized oh. team. Right, which makes sense because they were the all-new, all-different sure. X-Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. Why are you mad about it? Uh, because here's who I put on that team, and it got mad at me. I put Storm on that team. Good. Yeah. I put colossus on that team good i put nightcrawler on that team good i put wolverine on that team and they got mad at me wait what (laughs) they said they said no wolverine doesn't get that bonus but cyclops gets that bonus and i'm like hold on he was the only not all newer all different member of that team wolverine was slightly less new than the others but still very new and very different and y'all better give me that bonus so i can use the stabby man but it's all better this way because now i get to use shoots mcgee over here who has his laser eyes that's that's so specific that (laughs) anyway um the game the game's oddly deep in canon in some places 
and then wildly off base in others. <laughs> I've been tempted to get it. I just feel like uh, I, I've heard so many stories of how difficult it is to level up each individual character that it's frustrating. Yeah, that's that's dumb, and that should have gone away 20 years ago. <sighs> Folks, I don't have that much time. I don't want to individually level characters up. My son does not have patience for it. When he wants to use Rocket and Groot, he doesn't want Daddy to say, well, we can't use him on this level because we haven't used him in 20 <laughs> levels, and he's so far behind the others that he'll just get crushed. Oh, poor, poor Rocket and Groot. Um, all right, so this... Anyway, Iceman. Iceman, uh, written by J.M. DeMattis, uh, penciled by Alan Kupperberg, inks by Mike Gustavich, and uh, this really is a weird one. I-, I knew this was a weird one going into it, but I don't know if I was properly prepared for just how strange it is. Yeah, so Iceman goes back to Long Island, uh, and he doesn't really want to hang out with his parents, so he finds this girl, uh, and he starts flirting with her, uh, but then some people come and try and blow up his house and he gets sent on this, uh, time traveling adventure using what is definitely a mother box from DC comics, uh, goes to back in the past, his dad dies. Uh, and then he finds out that the girl that he's been chasing through time is actually, uh, the daughter of oblivion, the, the cosmic, uh, cosmic embodiment of nothingness. Right. Right. Uh, so you say two guys show up. So um, the two guys are White Light and the Idiot. Uh, the Idiot speaks in a Brooklyn accent for some reason. Uh, they are then defeated and followed by uh, Kali, who f- flies in on a flying spider with a, uh, <laughs> a legion of flying spiders. The, the Oblivion is very interested in getting uh, Marge back, uh, who I guess was Iceman's neighbor, but not really. She was, she was his new neighbor, but... Okay, here's the weird thing. Marge is living with her parents at the time, right. and she, she reads as a good deal younger than Iceman mm-hmm. here, which is odd. It's not that weird when you find out that she is... Both the daughter of Oblivion, the wife of Oblivion, and an equal part of Oblivion itself. Yeah, we'll get into that with issue four, but I totally agree. (laughs) Um, Bobby starts this series by, you know, racing around on uh, on one of his ice trails. Um, Accosts his... Monologuing something Yeah, accosts his cousin which then causes a local police officer to have a conniption fit and then uh, uh, accosts this family who then later turn out to be uh, fictional creations of Marge. They're, they're not real. Yeah. Marge, the daughter of a Yeah. Yeah. Who created this family. So as not to be lonely. Uh, Did we mention that Iceman spends most of this series just like walking around in his underpants? Yeah, he does do that, which I think is a very funny touch. Uh, but Ice, Iceman does realize that he Marty McFly's himself out of existence. Oh, yeah. Yep, definitely. Is this uh, before? This has got to be uh, contemporaneous oh, with Back shoot. to the Future, right? I don't know. I'm a young. I don't know when Back to the Future came right, hold out. On this is 84. Let's IMDB. Here, keep talking. Back to, to the Future. So anyway, we're going to talk about Back to the Future, which is a movie that some of you youngins may not have known about. 
Uh, it involves uh, Marty McFly, who goes back to the future. Uh, well, he goes back to the past, and then he has to go back to the future using a DeLorean. It's very famous. There's a guy with bad hair in it, and his mom does try and hook up with him. Zach, this uh, predates Back to the Future by an entire year. <laughs> wild, wild stuff. That's crazy. Um Robert Zemeckis, you thief, you dirty, dirty thief. Well, and not only is the the father uh, killed, but the father is killed by the same cop that that Bobby uh, aggravates in the first issue, but is younger uh, in the second issue. <laughs> so, um, oh man, okay. So time paradox. Yeah, it's not great. Time paradox, and then we hit three and four, where things just get really weird. Yeah, this is, look, very similar to Cena's Iceman, actually. The monologuing was great. The family interaction was great. The fights were not great in this. Uh, but then three and four just decide to take the take the bumpers down Oof. and say, we're going gutterball city here. <laughs> uh, because, because then Iceman has to go on a fetch quest uh, at the behest of, literal nothingness Mm -hmm. to get nothingness's kid and it's it's bad it's i don't so strange no i've read this multiple times i don't know what happened well okay so before we get into the the oblivion part is this the first appearance of bobby's parents yes i i i believe it is if it's not their first appearance it's their first appearance that like mattered like they okay they did show up in a like in bobby's introduction in a backup of x-men 44 uh but like this is the first time they are characters who aren't parent okay so (laughs) it is kind of cool though that we are setting up this uh this sort of relationship with them that then gets revisited with the cyber eye arc gets revisited later on when we uh when we see cena grace's uh interactions with the parents it's already kind of there it's wild mm-hmm. to me that we start this series the way we do which is the the classic Iceman trope of you know going home to visit them the neighbor's house blows up the parents are like get out of here and then by the time we get to the end there's this weird kind of like incesty fantasy thing that's going on here that i am just grossed out by yeah, y'all, it gets weird. Because Oblivion gets Marge back and then, like, has to absorb her back into nothingness. But it's framed as a make-out thing and explicitly <sighs> the lines like, my daughter, my wife. Ugh, and I don't like no, it. No, I understand. I understand that cosmic, like, concepts, just, like, concepts given shape do not follow the same social norms as we do, but I don't like it and it's gross. And maybe JM DeMattis, if you knew that humans were going to be reading this and not cosmic concepts, you could have not done that. (laughs) Yeah. It's extremely questionable. And this final issue is just like, what is even going on? We have Iceman kind of uh, trying to use, I mean, what a strange idea that this, this mini series is, predicated on the concept that Iceman is going to battle the void nothing with ice powers the anti-thing right, with ice powers yes. I, what 
with a big old ice axe, which I like. I I think Bobby Drake should make more things out of ice instead of just shooting them with ice rays. And there's also kind of an implication that he rewrites the entire Marvel U. Uh, oh, he does. He actually does. He hits a big old reset button. That's wild. That is wild. So his dad didn't die. Right. Yeah. And every the status quo does does go back. Uh, y'all, it's this is a weird one. Let me be positive for a second. The monologues are pretty good about like Iceman wanting to like not be an embarrassment to his parents and their family and not liking their expectations and all that stuff's great. That just kind of goes away halfway through this and we get nonsense that is incomprehensible. Oh, there are pages in here that kind of feel like they were done for Heroes for Hope and then just like thrown in here. <laughs> like really weird cosmic heavy metal type stuff that I don't know what's going on, you know? I will I will say uh Alan Cooperberg does a does a real good job like drawing the cosmic stuff. Oh, yeah. Like sure. He is he is Doing his darndest with this script and saying, it's going to look neat. <laughs> it's, this is, ain't going to, ain't going to read for crap, but it's going to, it's going to look neat. Yeah. And he does, he does a good job with that. He draws the action nice and like makes it happen, but it's, he has some very interesting layouts and in parts of this. I'll, I'll give him that for sure. I, I But yeah. I don't know what's happening this is one of those things that like i highly highly recommend that you check out like if you got unlimited just take a couple minutes and check this out it is absolutely bizarre um is it gonna make any sense to you are you going to like there are some good character moments with Iceman, but overall it's just this very very weird thing that you would never expect from this miniseries Adam, can I tell you how I chose to read this? Uh, please tell me you have it in floppies. <laughs> oh, I do have it in oh. floppies, uh, but I'm I'm speaking mentally how I chose oh, to okay. read this. Yeah. Uh, last Friday we record on we. It doesn't matter. Last Friday, I consumed some fish that did not agree with. Oh me, no. <laughs> uh, and was was set up all weekend with food poisoning, oh, no. which which meant I had I had. Uh, I was feverish. I was in and out of sleep, but I did know, oh, dang, I've got to read this one. So I had to read this while actually having fever oh, dreams no. and like jumping between. I think I read the first two issues and took a break and went back to the next two after a nap or something. And bud, that's a that's a rough way to read this one. Yeah, I am going to uh, go out on a limb and say that uh, readers should not be reading this particular book under the influence or when they are ill and on medication, etc. <laughs> like, just yeah, guys, don't eat don't eat some bad fish and then read this oh my one. God. Are you feeling better? I hope. I'm I am doing just okay, fine good. now. Uh, it's been. The last few days have been less than pleasant. Oh, I'm sorry but to hear that. That's enough about my gastrointestinal health. Uh, we should rank Iceman, right? Yeah, and I am unfortunately looking kind of low here. Um, oh, it's worse than Cena's, which is at 256. I'm all right. This is 
you know where I'm kind of drawing a parallel here? Is it 288? We have Beauty and the Beast. Um, this kind of has like a, a similar strangeness to it. Um, I, I, I would, I would argue that Beauty and the Beast is. Better. I would too. I mean, oh, you know where else? This is kind of Prisoner of Lovey weird. It is, it is, but I'd say the. The good parts of this are better, are way better, way better than that. Like, is this, is this better or worse than X-Men Survival Guide to the Mansion as a story? Yeah. I would, which is at 300 yeah. right now. I'd argue yes. Yeah, I yes. would say yes. I, and it is just an absolute, I mean, Marvel Mangaverse X-Men is above that and that, this is better than that. It is. Is it better than Claremont's first arc about the Neo? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's just <laughs> as incomprehensible. I think I like this better just because it's so, so bonkers. It's so weird. All right. Do you like it better than uh, Star Trek The Next Generation slash X-Men Second Contact? I don't know if I could put it again, uh, above either of the Star Trek X-Men's because those are very similarly like bizarre and, and, and out there. Um, but I think they hold together a little bit more comprehensive, like, they, they they actually make a little more sense. I think I do think this is better than X Force and Cable Annual ninety seven, the one where they went to Asgard yeah, again. I would agree. So this is our new two ninety five. Uh, yeah, this will be our new number two ninety five, uh, Iceman Volume One. Yeah, guys, check this out. It's so weird, <laughs> y'all. It's got it's got some stuff. Uh, I know I know like. Uh, Jay edited it and Miles Stokes from Jay and Miles really like this one. So it could just be a taste thing, but I hate it and I think it's bad. <laughs> I I don't hate it. I just think it's really weird and kind of messy. So uh, let's talk. I feel like. Here, I, go ahead. I feel like I'm coming down hard on Iceman as a character. And I want to be very. I want to point out that when I was a kid, before I started reading like a lot of X-Men, Iceman was my favorite. I thought he was the neatest. Well. All right, let's let's redeem it by talking about what I think is a pretty solid one shot, uh, albeit about a, a different uh, manifestation of Iceman. Where are we going for our last story here? Uh, we're going to IVX, <laughs> but we're going to the Inhumans versus the X Men, an event that was only three years ago. That's wild. It does feel like an eternity. Absolutely wild. And uh, as we all know from the Bendis run, it, it was not the uh, adult uh, Bobby who came out uh, first. It was the young Bobby uh, from the 05 brought to the present. And uh, he, because, you know, he had less of a life to kind of like weigh him down. He's in this part of the story engaged in a really great, healthy relationship with the inhuman Romeo. Okay, so let's let's start by saying this is a uh, Dennis Halliam, uh written under the pen name mm-hmm. Hopeless, uh, you know, arc. Uh, it's number seventeen. Uh, M Bags, Mark Bagley, he he does all those pencils on there. Uh, Andrew Hennessy, he's gonna he's gonna ink that bad boy up. And uh, Nolan Woodard, he's gonna throw those pretty colors on there. Uh, and yeah, Iceman's dating Romeo, and I gotta lead with this. Romeo's a dumb name for Iceman's boyfriend. That was that was bad, guys. There's there's a, there's a thin line between dumb and clever, 
and you crossed it. You're not even close. You're you're so far on the dumb side. Dennis, I love you. That was a bad one did, you did. did. Wait a minute. Hold on a sec. Is Romeo an existing inhuman character? Romeo was a character that first appeared in Dennis's Spider-Woman Volume 6. Oh, really? And then showed up oh yeah, in Spider-Woman Volume 6, number 10, uh, during the Civil War 2 uh, arc. Hmm. Remember how there was a second Civil War? Oh, that was unfortunate. <laughs> Remember how they did it again? Yeah, that that was not good. Yeah, it wasn't at all. Uh, anyway, Romeo shows up again in this. Uh, they're dating, but because of because of the Inhumans versus X Men war, uh, Bobby and all of his friends do have to go attack Romeo's house, <laughs> and. Uh... You know what I like about this? First of all, this, what, what do you like about this it, first issue? Of all? Looks beautiful. Uh, M Bags is doing a fantastic job drawing this issue. I think the colors are really vibrant. They pop. You get these great flashback scenes of the first couple dates of Bobby and Romeo, and you could tell like these are two characters that are hitting it off, and and just you know they're having a good time. Um, the other thing I really like about this is that um, this issue is centered around the idea that Iceman is going to le- young Iceman is going to lead the charge against Atalan uh, in the IVX war. Why is he doing this? So he can take Romeo and leave IVX and never talk about it again. <laughs> it's look, look, look. That's me. That one's me. Iceman, Iceman, you and me. We're the same right now, because, I mean, who would have thought? Both of us, you and me. Uh, No, because I also do want to just go get the one inhuman that I like, her name's Kamala, and then leave IVX forever. (sighs) I also just think the build-up up to what turns out to be this, this great first kiss moment for this character is just fantastic. It's it is very it good is. because they keep it a surprise like of Bobby's motives. Right. You don't you don't know until they go for the kiss if he's going to rescue his boyfriend or not, even though that shouldn't be a question. <laughs> it shouldn't be, but all of his friends are laying waste to Adelon, so you're not really sure what he's doing or why he chose to do it. Um, you know, this issue being a tie-in to this event, uh, it, it, it unfortunately does get bogged down with at least one page of recap. Um, you know, but I do really honest to God appreciate the fact that it's basically like, yeah, we want nothing to do with this silliness. Iceman rides in on his sled, grabs his boyfriend, Throws up deuces and says, this event sucks. <laughs> That's why it's so great. It, it really is just uh, a, a really fun uh, slight to the actual event. Um, and I don't know. I remember from IVX that I feel like Romeo was more involved in the plot somehow. Um, no, he's, he's not. not. This is all he does. Oh, good. Oh, good. No, he just disappears. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I don't know. I just think this is a nice, and it's, you know, I know Mark Bagley isn't everybody's cup of tea, but I think that he's just drawing so well on this issue. It's beautiful. But I, I 
love Ultimate Spider-Man. I'm a big M-Bags fan. That's good. I, I've heard some people, you know, take issue with the way that he, uh, you know, tackles drawing these characters. But I never had an issue with it. I, I think he really does sell human emotion really, really well. Um, you you read you read you read that thing that M-Bags just did with Chippy? With Chippy Z? I have yet to read Life and Times. Uh, Ooh. So... Yeah, uh, that Spider-Man book, Spider-Man Life Story, is pretty, pretty great. good. I wanted to catch good. that. Is it in trade yet? Uh, it, it's got to be in trade because the next issue, the last issue is about to hit that app. Oh, okay. Uh, it's about to hit that app pretty soon. Uh, it's What's funny is when Mark Bagley has to re redo and redraw the comics that Mark Bagley drew. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, uh, you have to do... The Clone Saga in Absolute Carnage, or Maximum Carnage again. <laughs> That's really funny. I, it's wild. I was actually just looking back over uh, some of his amazing Spider-Man stuff that he did after he took over for Eric Larson. And it, just l- comparing how much he's grown as an artist, it's really wild. He's he's a very talented guy. Yeah, uh, he's pretty yeah. good. He's pretty good. But yeah, I like this issue. It's fun. I am not as big a fan as All New X Men Volume Two as some other people were. Like, I part something about it just didn't click for me, especially compared to, uh, let's say, the Bendish run of All New or Dennis's Jean Grey run that came after this. Yeah, like either side of it, I don't like the comps. Well, just the just the uh, uh, the setup and the and the team that they're working with here never really clicked. I, I don't think that it was ever really sensical to put Genesis and Edie on these teams. But I can I can almost see Genesis because he's young Apocalypse. Like I get right. it, and putting Laura on the team. Oh, she's young Wolverine. Yeah. I get yep. it. I get. I get it. ID. She's not young Storm. I don't know what you're trying to do here, <laughs> uh, but that's 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 not that's not her role. Uh, so she's a she's a weird fit for it. But yeah, I I see what they're trying to do, but it just it didn't work for me. But this whole the whole year and a half that we had these books was a weird one, and we've all decided to move past mm. it. As the uh, the protagonist in this story does, uh, so yeah, <laughs> I don't think there's really much else to talk about. If you're looking for a solid alternative to IVX, uh, definitely check it out. Uh, yeah, let's let's check out where this goes on our list, though. I think this is the best Iceman story we talked about today. I, I think it's a, a nice one and done. It's it's beautifully drawn and uh, it has a really kind of maybe inadvertent uh burn against the crossover event it was supposed to be uh, a part of so um where do we go ivx is actually a 282 um on our list yeah, i mean it's this is better than ivx I as would a whole. agree um you know i don't know how much better it is than uh the grace Iceman, though like i'm looking around that uh-huh. spot uh Actually, you know, a few spots above that, we have, uh, we have, where is it? Right here. It's right here. Uncanny X-Men Volume uh, 4, Survival of the Fittest, uh, the bun one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is better than that, those first five issues, uh, I think. I would agree. Yeah. 
Um, is it better than X Core? That was the banshee. Two forty-two. That was the banshee, like villains, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I th- I think it is. Uh, it's not better than the, than the uh, C. B. Sapolsky uh, Akira Yoshida Age of Apocalypse at two forty. It's not. It's not. That's got that's got that bachelor art that I crave. <laughs> Uh, so I think this makes it 241. Perfect. That's a great spot for it. Very nice uh, standing all there. Right. Good job, all new X-Men. And that does it. We're done talking about Iceman forever. We're never talking about him hey. again. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you, Bobby. I love you so much. Again, you were my favorite character as a kid. And then I got depression and found Cyclops existed. <laughs> I'm kidding. I've never been diagnosed with depression. I'm diagnosed with anxiety. It's different, kind of. <laughs> I still take the same medicine for it, though, so maybe not that different. I'm not a scientist. Uh, I'm sure Bobby has his own uh, share of anxiety. Uh, oh, Bobby's got anxiety. <laughs> How you could be an X-Man and not have any. Anyway, uh, good stuff, man. Um, so what have you been up to, Zach? Uh, well, I've been up to reading stories requested by our good Patreon supporters like Tyler James, who requested this Iceman episode. And if people want to be like him, they can, you know, throw money at our Patreon. Uh, We've been changing up the Patreon to different things. So you can get early access to all the episodes Mm -hmm. uh, that we do just whenever you feel like it or whenever I'm done editing them. If you pledge at the $5 a month or higher, uh, you can get a request at the $2 a month or higher. Uh, You can get other stuff at other levels. It's, it's whatever. So if you want to do that, that's great. And we'd really appreciate that. Uh, if you can't, that's fine. I get that too. <laughs> uh, tell a friend. Beyond that, I have been actually, I uh, today, it will have just come out. I appeared on the podcast Shelf Dust Presents. Oh, cool. Uh, counting down the 50 best first issues in comics. Nice. Uh, so I... Uh, had a appearance not talking about X-Men because I asked specifically, I don't want to talk about X-Men, guys. <laughs> uh, so instead, I talked about Jonathan Hickman's Secret Wars number one, and that comic is yeah, dope. It's pretty great. I, that list was interesting. It's a, it's, a, it's a good list. It's also a list that's definitely made up by comics critics that uh, Shelf Dust, uh, I guess, editor-in-chief and runner Steve Morris knows which would skew it to be critics who were active in the mid-2010s. <laughs> uh, Steve's great. Steve's awesome. But the fact that the top three books are uh, Saga, Watchmen, Hawkeye, and Wickdiv uh, uh, tell you yeah, where the biases are. Lot about uh, who wrote that list. But still, definitely... I voted, I voted for at least two, if not three okay. of those. That's a good conversation starter, at the very least. It was, and that's that's what the podcast is. It's a conversation about stuff. It's real great. Go check that out if you haven't. Uh, I'm also going to be at C2E2 Whoa, at the end of this gonna month. You're going to be at C2E2, Zach? Guess what? Adam, are we going to meet? we're going to meet in person. X Twitter is coming to C2E2 at the end of the month. Guys... Adam and I have never met, and we've been doing this show for 132 episodes. I hope I don't screw it up. Oh, man, it's going to be great. So, uh, folks, if you are in the Chicago area, the tri-state area of the Illinois, uh, 
we are going to be in town. So I know I'm going to be at the con uh, at least Friday and Saturday. I, and are you going to be there Sunday too, Zach? Oh, I'm all I'm all weekend, I gotta, man. I got to catch Brother, a flight I'm, out. So uh, I'm there the whole dang time. <laughs> but we hope to bump into you. Um, I got some holographic stickers. So if you do bump into Zach or I, uh, we will be glad to uh, get you one of these nice, cool, shiny things. Um, I have buttons that I have to get rid of. You can ooh, have buttons. buttons. I have so many yeah, buttons. Yeah, I want a button. <laughs> okay, you can have a button. I have four different designs. One of them is great. The other three... Yeah. <laughs> so, unfortunately, we are not paneling. Um, we did try that. We'll we'll try again for other cons in the future. Um, but honestly, I'm kind of glad because we get to just kind of hang out, oh, relax. Glad. We're going to hit the X-Men panel. Uh, we're going to try our darndest to interview some, some folks and just have a good time. It's going to be fun. So if you see us, say hi, we look like us. You've seen our picture. It's on (laughs) there. Um, so that's great. Um, where, where can people find you online, Zach? Oh, on Twitter at Xavier files or at XavierFiles.com. We have a bunch of articles about a bunch of X-Men stuff. It's all great. It's all great and good. Uh, we just talked about uh, X-Men Fantastic Four and Marauders last week. Uh, and it's great. And go check that out because it's great. Adam, what you about you? You can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. I'm in between projects right now, so I'll keep you posted. Next week, we're going to talk about Detective Comics Comics. Detective Comics Comics? That's not our brand. Yeah, de- yeah, well, we're going to talk about Detective Comics comics, and it's going to be a great time, and we're going to get some Super Sons to help us out. Uh, but until then, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!